0: Hello and welcome to the final episode in series one of the Goal Four podcast, a show all about education and inclusion. I am Richard Ingram. As people with disabilities will no doubt tell you, it can sometimes feel to them that difference and diversity is not always seen in a positive light. This can range from a patronising comment, albeit meant with good intentions, to downright prejudice or exclusion. It's no wonder, perhaps, that children with learning disabilities are four and a half times more likely to have a mental health problem than their peers. But do we want everybody to be the same? Moral issues aside, is homogeneity not a barrier to progress or creativity? My guest today would certainly agree that it is. Katie Sparks has been something of a trailblazer in the world of disability activism. The CEO of the Lightyear Foundation an organisation whose tagline is Breaking Down the Barriers to Disabled Children Taking Part in STEM, and the CEO of Flamingo Chicks, a charity that aims to promote inclusion through dance, Katie's been busy making change happen. She's won numerous awards for her contribution to the global community, including JCI's 10 Young Outstanding Young Persons of the World, a point of light from the Prime Minister, and made the independents List for improving the lives of others. Most recently, she was awarded an MBE, in the 2022 New Year's Honours List for services to disabled children and their families. Katie Sparks, welcome to Goal 4
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, It's great to have you. Thank you for, for joining me. Uh, firstly, I wanted to ask you about the Lightyear Foundation. Can you tell me a bit about this, please?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the Lightyear Foundation is a charity that's breaking down barriers to get more disabled people into STEM, so science, technology, engineering and maths.
0: Amazing. As we were saying, just before we started recording, I love this. I used to be a science teacher. I worked with uh, lots of children who needed learning support in science. And I saw uh, people come alive in a classroom. And they got to do experiments and got to uh, design things and work with engineering and things like that. Uh, people loved it. You said it's about breaking down barriers to help people with disabilities get into STEM. What, what kind of barriers are we talking about?
1: So Lightyear Foundation exists to try and make STEM a really, accessible, um, a really accessible place. And there's a really big opportunity. So 20% of working age adults are disabled. Um, but if you look at unemployment stats in the disability sector, 78% um, of autistic people are unemployed. And that increases to 95% if you look at people with a learning disability as well. Um, at the same time, the um, jobs in science and technology are are are, um, are growing at double the rate of of other sectors um, so there's a, a massive opportunity there. Um, we really believe passionately that diversity is a great tool for innovation and growth. Um, and to overcome the big global challenges of the future, we believe that um, the scientists of the future need to come from all walks of life. Um, so we're really passionate at breaking down those barriers and looking for ways to get more disabled people accessing STEM at Lightyear Foundation, we start really early, so we look at um, we work with with children uh, rather than adults. Uh, We have immersive sensory science, which is our our wonder packed hands on, um, hands on experiences like pop up planetariums. Uh, We have a cloud factory, Um, all sorts of wonderful sensory experiences. We found particularly working with special schools or children that attend um, settings um, um, aimed at disabled children, often they don't have the same opportunities as um, as children as their mainstream peers. So we try to um, to really support special schools to increase the confidence of teachers working there and also learning support assistance. one of the significant barriers that we have found is that um, the level of science teaching and expertise in special schools is really low. Um, some of the schools we've worked with, the teachers have no formal training in science at all. Um, and yet you've got some students with Amazing promise, particularly um, particularly children often who are on the autistic spectrum um, can we we find have a, a real kind of resonance with science. Um, sometimes, for example, if you look at a child with autism, they may um, really excel in um, in the finer details. They might find comfort in repetition. Um, so it's it's been able to harness those skills. Um, and and ignite that passion in young people from a really young age. So our immersive sensory science experiences are really, really important. Um, And actually, often we take the wonder to them. So we might take a planetarium into their school. So it's an environment that they're familiar and comfortable with. Um, Also, we can adjust adjust things. So whether that's around lighting or sound um, or unexpected um, things happening, we can make sure that it caters for their needs and they're comfortable. So they have a really positive experience. Um, We also run a virtual lab program. At uh, the Lightyear Labs, where we go in and do a series of a weekly series of workshops, uh, which is really hands-on. Um, they've always got a different theme, but again, enabling, enabling young um, uh, young people to access science, but also at the same time upskilling teachers and learning support assistants um, and getting them really involved and confident and leaving them with techniques that they can implement themselves afterwards. One of our other strands of work is our role model programme, Um, The old saying that you can't be what you can't see, um, and that's really prevalent in science. Um, We have been doing this work for a number of years now, and yet we still find it quite hard to find um, disabled role models working in STEM, uh, particularly like a a good range of disabilities to showcase to our young people. Um, So anyone listening, we're really really keen to, to profile, highlight and showcase some of the amazing work that people are doing. Um and I can't tell you what a difference it makes. When a young person can see somebody like them um, who's able to access a career in STEM and talk about what they're doing, um immediately their kind of perspective changes, but also those around them. So thinking about um, their parents and carers, their teachers, their learning support assistants. Sometimes it's it's getting people to reevaluate what, what young people are capable of. Um, and coming back to that word confidence, improving confidence and, and accessibility. So our role model program is absolutely vital and just has such a big, a big difference on the trajectory of some of our some of our young people.
0: Well, it sounds fantastic. the The idea that you mentioned there about diversity being an asset rather than something that is a problem in classrooms is, is, is resonates with, I'm sure, so many people listening who work in this area, and particularly in STEM subjects in science. I mean, homogeneity is. Is the worst thing possible in innovation and science, right? You don't want everyone to be the same. You don't want everyone to think the same and get the same test scores and 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 behave the same. You want you want innovators. You want people thinking differently, and that's um and that's what a diverse classroom and then a diverse workforce brings to that, I suppose. So there's real links there with with what we are talking about.
1: Hugely, and I think the talents of our young people are really underestimated. We did, um, we did a really exciting work, expir- work inspiration trip, which is where we take a group of of young people out to a workplace, um, and they get to fully immerse themselves. But we do it in a group format, which is is um, we found is really beneficial in terms of kind of confidence um uh, and we went to the university of surrey and, and professor kitler uh, was kindly hosting the trip with us um and they were learning about artificial intelligence and the the students were just so keenly participating in the the demos of different ai systems um, but what really resonated on the day was the ability of some of the pupils in matching face images and estimating age was accepted. I think one of them scored 100% um, in a standard face-matching test. Um, And I know Professor Kittler could really see a role for them in research within the program at the university um, and how they could be a a real asset to other companies that employ people with such talents. Um, And I know that he fed back to us afterwards that it was one of the most rewarding outreach activities that they'd had for quite a long time. Um, so I think it's just it's providing those opportunities and enabling people to flourish, um, but then it fits into the wider societal picture as well because there's a real a real lack of um, of, of employment opportunities for uh, for for disabled people, particularly those with autism. Um, so science science has a, a great great part to to play there.
0: Yeah, I mean you can you can see innovators. I mean to think to. To pick a name, someone like Elon Musk, who I think you can think what you like about him. I, I know he kind of draws respect and criticism, but um he's come out himself saying he he he's pretty sure he has Asperger's syndrome and that's what helps him be so creative and and, and phenomenally successful, just just because he's he perhaps thinks in a slightly different way. And it's um yeah, it's it's a really interesting point. I wanted to move on now and talk about Flamingo Chicks, which is your 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 other very colourful pink hat. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, this is a this is a charity that that provides an inclusive community that gives children with disabilities and those with illnesses such as cancer the opportunity to enjoy dance and explore movement. Uh, it sounds amazing um, and very different to what we were talking about just yeah. now. But uh, um, perhaps you could uh, explain a little bit about this.
1: Yes, of course. So I founded Flamingo Chicks um, almost 10 years ago now. Um, My daughter Poppy has cerebral palsy and she wanted to dance. Um, And we've tried to access kind of mainstream um, dance schools and classes. And she has um, physical disability and also learning disability. And it just it was problematic and it just was not comfortable for for her. Um, And I really wanted to create something that Um, was really creative and forward thinking and everybody could could enjoy the kind of joy and wonder of dance. So I hired a local preschool, um, found a ballet teacher um, and we sat down, came up with loads of ideas, got creative, found loads of sensory kit um, I think I put a couple of posts out on Facebook, you know, nothing massive, thinking it would be really small. We had 15 places and 200 families turned up. Um, so I think from day one, it showed that there was a real need for this. And now um, fast forward 10 years and we've had nearly 30,000 children dance with us. Um, Flamingo Ticks has on average about 84 classes a week. Uh, we have sessions all over the country and we also have nine outreach programmes elsewhere in, in in the world, particularly where there's additional barriers um to being disabled, and we um we upskill, support, train, and provide resources to enable people to do the same kind of work um anywhere in the world. So we have uh, programs from Kenya to Vietnam, um, yeah, all over the place. So flamingo chicks is a really A really thriving community, Um, the dance classes are obviously the the primary focus, but we very much recognize um, the importance of a holistic approach. So we support parents and carers. We do lots of of work around parents and carers, um, both kind of emotional and well-being support, but also practical skills. So teaching them Makaton, uh, sign and symbol language program that's widely used in the learning disability community. Lots of other ways to kind of strengthen and support them on their journey. Um, we are especially passionate about advocacy um, and breaking down those barriers. So we have our Agents of Change programme, which is 40 young change makers that come together on a regular basis and they help shape the direction of our charity. Um, and they're very much at the kind of leadership end of our organisation and help us shape and grow. Um, And we are also supported by a community of 571 intergenerational volunteers. So we have a massive volunteer army that strengthens the work of Flamingo Ticks. We are very passionate about um, intergenerational volunteering, encouraging encouraging first-time volunteers to inspire a lifetime of volunteering. Uh, We also particularly particularly look at ways to support socially isolated and older volunteers and also disabled volunteers, particularly those with learning disability as they are heavily underrepresented in volunteering.
0: Just a shout out to the agents of change. I mean, I was lucky enough to to meet some of them on a on a Zoom call recently, and I had, had the best half an hour ever. I think talking to those guys, so passionate, so so engaged with what they're doing, it was really a, it was really a pleasure to to speak with them and to meet them. And yeah, that just kind of hits home about the importance of the work that they do. Tell me about their trip to the UN.
1: Yes, so they uh, I think it was eight eight of us um, eight young people and myself went out to the United Nations and they got to make a speech at the UN um, talking in about- New York
0: this is the, yeah, the HQ yeah
1: it was so exciting um it was like the best school trip ever (laughs) we we all went out to new york and they um they spoke and signed their speech um to a huge audience got a standing ovation it was such a powerful moment and i think both for the young people that were lucky enough to attend but also the ripple effect was just enormous and kind of showcasing what they you know what they were capable of and just how powerful their message was um you know I've been lucky enough to to speak at lots of different events but nothing is more powerful than than the young people themselves kind of standing there and being able to talk about their lived experience and also their kind of hopes and aspirations what they want to achieve for themselves and their peers how they want to shape the future um and yeah it was just the most most incredible moment and then as you can imagine being in new york we had like wonderful celebrations afterwards so we all uh commandeered some tuk-tuks and went around new um central park and went off to times square and yeah had a big big celebration because it was such a such a big moment of success for them um but they absolutely haven't stopped there i mean since then they've been to downing street the house of commons um they do Accessibility audits at, at companies like Facebook, um, all sorts of different ways that they can, they can help shape, advise um, and change things for the better.
0: And how important is it that young people like that have, a, have those roles in society and in the workplace?
1: So hugely important, I think it's you know we we just provide the platform where that they can have their voices heard um and kind of help amplify their voices but um like you were saying about attending the agents of change meetings, you know I've been working with these young people for a long time now, but yeah I'm constantly learning from them I'm constantly motivated by inspired by and amazed by the The kind of perspectives the insights the passion that they have Um, and it's a a really exciting kind of generation of change makers. Um, I think because of some of the communication challenges of our young people that's where we play a really good role in being able to um, assist and amplify and, and make sure that their message can be heard. Um, but I have never met anybody that hasn't come into contact with the agents of change who doesn't leave smiling and also feeling really inspired. They are the most passionate group of of change makers out there.
0: Well, I certainly did. I can remember that it was it was fantastic. There are a lot of links with um bringing the agents of change and the and the dance stuff and the and the stem work. Creativity seems to be the kind of the tying together factor, and this is something that you certainly, I mean, having taught myself, this is something you certainly find more in in kids than adults generally. And having them in these, you know, responsible roles, going to give talks, um, looking at accessibility of big companies, these are. It's not just that they can be more creative and see things that perhaps adults who are set in their ways a bit more miss. It's it's the fact that it's their own future. They're having a bit more autonomy over, right? And particularly when we talk about things like climate change and other global issues, it's the younger generation that can have to deal with all of this, and um if they can have any kind of role in in sort of any kind of autonomy over that and any way to any any chance to have an input, that can only be a good thing I mean in addition, someone out there might come up with some really creative solution to to help. I'm sure there are lots of examples of that as well,
1: yeah, absolutely, and I think particularly with groups of disabled children. They often are underrepresented or don't have those opportunities, and particularly around um, ways of communication. So it's so so important to be able to open up those channels um, and enable them to to talk about their experiences and and their hopes and dreams and aspirations, so that they can. Can kind of widely share that and make that change um but yeah creativity I think is at the heart of everything we do um I know like when I said when I started Flamingo Chicks I'm not I'm not a dancer although I've I've definitely improved over these years <laughs> through my work with the, the Flamingo Chicks but it was about being creative um and I think you know I learned so much as a parent, but then also professionally on the kind of Flamingo Chicks journey. And everything we do is around, you know, being really, really creative and actually disabled people are brilliant at creativity because you're a natural problem solver. You have to be, you know, when I look at my journey with my daughter every day, we're looking at different barriers and how we can overcome them, how we can make things more accessible for her, Um, which kind of naturally makes you be really good at adapting things, being really creative. Um, I think also that you you do um, appreciate the smaller moments sometimes as well um, and really kind of appreciate uh, what might be a small moment to somebody else could be a really big moment for us. So we, are, we really sort of focus on gratitude and positivity and, and celebrating those um, moments of success along the way.
0: Amazing. Uh, just finally, what are your thoughts about the future of disability and inclusion in education?
1: There's still a really long way to go, but there are positive steps for sure. Um, particularly looking at my work on Lightyear Foundation, um people are um I think the adjustments are being made, people are starting to to um to open more openly talk about Um, disabilities, particularly autism. Um, Employers are looking at at ways to be more accessible and things are changing. It's still slow and there's still a huge amount of work to be done. Um, And the same on, on flamingo chicks. I mean, I think the the increase we just see a huge surge in demand for for our support and our work Um, as fast as we grow we're we're still getting more requests for help and support which I think really shows the need um, just seems to be getting getting more rather than less Um, but I'm you know I'm optimistic and I think When you look at the Flamingo Chicks community, particularly, you know, 571 active volunteers for a really small organisation is massive. And I think within that, there are, you know, there are people from all different backgrounds, ages coming together, that people are, are there to kind of to support and make positive change. And I think the more people that we can get on that journey, um, and showcase what an inspiring, exciting place it can be. Um, it helps everybody have that exposure and experience to people from different backgrounds in um, different walks of life. And that creates the most beautiful melting pot of wonderful ideas and experiences and helps us all kind of move forward. Um, and so I do feel hopeful and particularly with, with young people like the Agents of Change leading the way, um, that yeah, we, we hope things will, will improve in the future.
0: That was Katie Sparks. My thanks to her for joining me, and thank you for listening. That's it for Series 1 of the Golf 4 Podcast, but do not fear, we'll be returning soon. Do get in touch in the meantime. I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on LinkedIn, either search for Richard Ingram or Golf 4 Podcast and drop me a message. Bye for now.